Welcome to this week's edition of Leading with Confidence. My name is Confidence Seleme and I'm your host. This program is proudly powered by the William Seleme Foundation and the Foundation's mission is Enabling Education in Africa. This week, I'd like us to talk on a topic I've titled Creating an Enabling Environment for Teams to Thrive. It's not enough that you desire to bring in the right crop of people into organization. You have to ask yourself what type of environment you are bringing them into. Even if the crop is of high quality, if the soil that it's being planted in isn't suitable or fertile, the crop will not develop to the degree it has the potential to. The organization is the soil. It is the land, the environment where you do your planting. As a leader, you must make sure that your land is conducive for growth and development. If you don't, it will have a negative impact on the harvest you produce. Disease from previous cultivation. In the farming process, one of the major factors that must be considered in the land preparation phase is the effect of any diseases from previous cultivation. If the soil is riddled with disease from the previous cultivation, steps must be taken to minimize the impact. Many organizations suffer from legacy issues and prevailing cultural norms that do not serve the organization at all. These organizations have a that's the way it's always been done here mentality. Even though the way it has always been done has not served the organization or helped to propel it upward or forward. Prevailing cultural norms. What are the prevailing cultural norms that are dragging down your organization? What are the old attitudes that seem to stick like glue and that have become part of the fabric of your organization? Is there perhaps a culture of sexism, racism, patriarchism, and any other isms you can think of? Is there perhaps a pull him down culture where people don't feel free to express themselves? It may not be easy to admit that your organization contains some or any of these in its cultural fabric. But if you want real and positive change, you must get real and face the truth. When new crops of people enter the soil that is your organization, do they feel liberated to flourish and produce a harvest, or do they get choked by the toxicity of their new environment? Is their growth stunted by what they hear, see, and experience? When new people enter the environment, does that environment choke them? In farming, a well-prepared land or field has the following characteristics. A. Controls weeds. B. Recycles plant nutrients. C. Provides a soft soil mass for transplanting. And D. Provides a suitable soil surface for direct seeding. Let's look at this in greater detail. A. Controls weeds. In your organization, do you have systems in place to control and eradicate weeds? Are there control measures that ensure that any untoward behavior is dealt with in an efficient manner? Weeds can come in the form of people who hold negative attitudes and who rob the organization of life and possibility. If they are not willing to undergo remedial change and they are allowed to remain, they will contribute to the choking and suffocation of the organization and they could ultimately kill it. If they don't succeed in killing the organization itself, they will succeed in killing the potential it holds. They will influence other people in the organization and win them over so that they too share their negative outlook. We spoke briefly on weeds in the beginning and we mentioned how they take away resources without adding real value to the organization. How do you differentiate between weeds and crops? It's often not easy because some weeds have the ability to disguise themselves really well. Biblical wisdom says that 
we should judge a tree by the fruit it produces. And I believe we should follow this principle in determining whether there are weeds amongst us. The two main areas we should look at are those of productivity and attitude. How productive are they in terms of their output? What is the quality of the work they produce and are they producing it at the required level? There are some people who don't really do much, but they look and seem to be very busy. From the outside, they seem productive, but if you were to do some analysis and assessment, you'd discover that they aren't as productive as they seem to be. Some drag projects beyond the timeframes necessary for completion, and they slow down momentum. In large organizations or teams, some are able to hide behind the collective without having put much effort in. When the collective team is performing at acceptable levels, you might not have too much cause to intensely interrogate individual contribution. But to not do so is to miss an opportunity to elevate the team from an acceptable level to a level of excellence. The other area we should look at to study the fruit being produced is the area of attitude. What is the attitude they carry as they carry out the work? Do they have a crop-like or wheat-like attitude? What is their attitude towards their work? Do they view their work as a daily slap up a hill? Or do they hold a positive view towards it? Do they see what they do as being a meaningful contribution towards a worthy goal? Or do they view it as just a means to an end, a futile exercise which is only purposeful in helping to pay the bills? What is their attitude towards their peers and leaders? Are they negative or positive towards them? Do they respect and listen to them? Do they want to interact with them and join forces in the pursuit of set goals and the achievement of objectives? Or do they view them as a nuisance which they wish they didn't have to deal with? Granted, even the most positive and enthusiastic of people get irritated or displeased and may even display a negative attitude. But this is not their default everyday state. I'm talking about a constant toxicity where a person has no desire to be in the organization and it is evident through their attitude and actions. The topic we've set out for this section is control weeds, but in truth, you cannot control people or their behavior. You can attempt to influence their behavior through various means of motivation, but even this is unsustainable if they have no innate desire to be in the organization and contribute meaningfully. External motivation is like creating a fire by setting alight a piece of paper. It soon dissipates into ashes, but if you set coal and wood on fire, it creates a sustainable heat that burns fiercely from within. You can start the fire, you can motivate people, but the sustainability depends on what you are setting alight. Is it paper or is it coal and wood? Self-motivation is greater than external motivation. Self-motivated people will find a way to make things work. They will pursue excellence and bring about the envisioned harvest. As a leader, your task is to create an environment where people want to be. An environment where people are adequately supported and is conducive for high productivity and high performance. By doing so, you will give people every reason to succeed and no excuse for their negative behavior. B. Recycles plants and nutrients. A good field contains nutrients that feed the new crop. What are the good and positive things about your organization that those coming in will get nourished by? Is there a culture of creativity where people feel free to express themselves and their ideas? 
Do you have an open door policy where people are able to access leaders for guidance and mentoring? Is there a good reward system in place where people feel that they are adequately rewarded for the effort they put in? List all the things that have been working for your organization and find ways to amplify them. Replicate the recipe so that the people coming on board may be fed with these nutrients. Reuse the methods that work. In identifying these nutrients, ask yourself three questions. These questions are who, what, and why. Who speaks of the people that are life forces within the organization. These are the bright sparks, the productive crops that can inspire the new crops to reach higher levels of success. These people believe in the vision and because they are so self-motivated, they inspire those around them. These people are a representation of the kind of people you want. They have the talent and the attitude necessary for excellence. Retaining them is a high priority for the organization because they do so much to lift the organization to the desired level. These people's demeanor is nutritious and it feeds and nourishes the organization. The what speaks of systems, values, and culture that permeates the organization. If you have systems that work well and promote productivity, that is a highly nutritious aspect of the organization. Structure aids productivity. Values that the organization holds dear are also a vital source of nutrition. What values are prized and practiced by the organization? When a person comes into an organization which shares the same values as they do, they will be won over. Notice that we mentioned practiced because a value such as teamwork may be plastered on the wall, but when you enter the organization, you may find that the people operate as individuals and there is no hint of teamwork. This is what we call the culture, the values that are practiced, not those that are merely professed. The why speaks of the corporate purpose of the organization. Why does the organization do what it does? The why is the foundational underlining reason behind the organization's existence. If you ask leaders within organization as to why they exist, many of them will answer with a what answer as opposed to a why answer. If they are in the sports shoes business, they will tell you that they exist to make running shoes or to make money. They won't tell you that they exist to help people live healthier by promoting an active lifestyle. The sports shoes or whatever products they, they manufacture becomes a means by which they can deliver on their core purpose. Organizations which know and can articulate their purpose are more attractive than those who just do what they do for profit. Subsequently, such organizations tend to be more profitable as well. Just look at the likes of Nike. Come on. Just do it. <laughs> some of these will appeal more to some than they do to others. For example, some people may be inspired and fed by the who, whilst others may be fed by the what or why. When there is sufficient nutrients of different kinds within your organization, those you bring in will be adequately fed and they will not experience hunger or lack. Look into all these aspects so that the environment you create becomes attractive for those you onboard. C provides a soft soil mass for transplanting. Another characteristic of well-prepared land is that it should provide a soft soil mass for transplanting. How soft is the soil mass in your organization? In other words, how easy is it for people you've onboarded to become part of the organization? Remember that just because people join an organization, 
it doesn't mean that they are part of it. Being part of an organization goes beyond the formal process of being onboarded. It is less functional and more emotional. You can be given a desk and task to complete, but feel isolated and separated from those you work with. You can be given a role within a team, but if that team hasn't accepted you as one of their own, are you really part of that team? A soft soil mess for transplanting speaks of how welcoming the environment is. Are the people within the organization receptive to new people, or do they make it hard for new people to connect with them and feel that they are part of the organization? The key word here is connect. You can only be part of something when you have connected with it. The crop is part of the soil, and the soil is part of the crop because the two entities have connected. It is only through connection that the crop will grow, because once it's connected, it is able to garner the available nutrients necessary for its development. If the ground is hard, it becomes impenetrable. Something which is impenetrable is closed off. We often speak of an open-door policy within organizations, but this is a policy that many times is just theoretical but not practical. And even when the doors are physically open, there is no guarantee that the hearts of the leaders and people in the organization are open as well. You can have an open door, but if you do not have an open heart, it comes to naught. If the reception is cold, unwelcoming, and unfriendly, it puts off and even chases away the visitor. Connection in this instance doesn't take place because there is a distance created by the cold reception. You have to have a soft heart towards people. Be welcoming and receive them with joy and gladness. Be willing to transplant your knowledge into them. Be enthusiastic about mentoring and sharing your expertise with them. This should be the attitude of the team as a whole, so that you create an environment that is conducive for growth and development. When you speak of transplanting, one of the familiar connotations is that of transplants that take place in the medical field. This can be kidney transplant, heart transplant, and so forth. When you transplant, you take what is in one person and you put it in the other person so that the receiver may be able to function better. The beauty about transplanting information, knowledge and wisdom is that, unlike with a medical procedure, the one transplanting loses nothing by undergoing the process. In fact, everybody gains. The person who is receiving gains valuable insights and they are better enabled to progress the person who is giving gains because they have empowered a fellow team member with knowledge. The transplant enables that team member to now become a greater contributor to the process and the operations within the team. This will lighten the workload and make it easier for everyone involved. The organization as a whole will benefit because a more informed, more empowered person brings and adds a greater degree of value to the entity they are part of. Creating the right agriculture. Ultimately, it's about creating a better agriculture in your organization. Agri pertains to the land or field, the environment as we have explained it. Culture then pertains to the way you cultivate, the methods, systems, processes, attitudes and values that govern how things are done within the organization. It is the accepted norms and behaviors that have become part and parcel of your way of doing things. So, what is your organization's agri-culture? What are the accepted norms and behaviors 
that have become part and parcel of your operational fabric. How do you approach cultivation? Remember that how you approach cultivation has an impact on what you end up cultivating. Is the agriculture negative or positive? A positive agriculture produces positive crops of people, but a negative agriculture produces negative crops of people. A negative agriculture produces people who operate below their potential, but a positive one produces people who operate to the level of their potential. The environment truly matters, and it truly affects those who dwell in it. What you are producing lets you know what the status of your agriculture is. The type of crop that is produced tells us about the agriculture of the organization. There are some educational institutions that consistently produce a great crop of academics. There are some countries that consistently produce a great crop of athletes, entrepreneurs, or great musicians. It is not just that these individuals are talented. It's also the fact that these organizations or countries have created an agriculture where their people are able to get the high and right amount of nutrients so that they can flourish. For example, look at the USA and the great basketball players that they produce. When you visit the USA, you'll find basketball courts in just about every neighborhood, even the most impoverished ones. Compared to other nations, the level of interest, investment, and fanfare around the sport is astronomical. No wonder they produce the caliber of players that they do. The culture is ripe for it, and the climate is conducive for it. A culture has been intentionally cultivated. In creating the right culture, we have to be very intentional. It won't just happen by itself. Think of the example made about the USA and their basketball culture. The investment made into the sport is intentional. The basketball courts are intentionally built. The coverage, branding and endorsements are all planned and they are all done purposefully and intentionally. A farmer doesn't just find a field and starts plowing at random. He or she is intentional about the process. They know how they will prepare the land and what seeds they will sow. They know how they will irrigate the seeds, and they know that if they intentionally do these things, they will reap a harvest when the season of harvest comes. The question is, in your organization, are you intentional about cultivating the desired culture, or are you a bystander watching as things happen and unfold? When it comes to culture, the leader's actions are critical. You can make decisions that either support a positive culture or propagate a negative one. You can listen to your people and help them succeed, or you can ignore them and watch as failure manifests. You can uplift, inspire, and encourage your people in the various ways available to you, or you can tremble upon them and tremble upon the organizational vision. You can raise the standards and elevate the organization, or you can accept mediocrity and let it become the norm. By being intentional in how you treat people, intentional in the kind of systems, policies, and programs you introduce, the kind of rewards and incentives you put in place, the kind of people you bring on board, and so forth. You are being intentional about creating the kind of culture you desire. A leader who isn't intentional about the kind of culture they create will end up with an organization that isn't organized. An organization that performs below par, that is sluggish, and that is totally uninspiring. They will be like a farmer 
who wasn't intentional about what they cultivated. And so they ended up with an undesirable harvest. Well, we've come to the end of today's show. Thank you so much for tuning in to Leading with Confidence. Cheers.